Well, this morning's sermon is going to come to us from Luke chapter 10. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke, Luke 10. Luke 10, verses 38 through 42. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We praise you that we have it. These are the words of life. We'd be lost and in darkness and without hope in this world apart from your word. Oh, Lord God, even now, pour out your Spirit on us. Help us to hear and understand and to apply. Work this into our souls that we would, we would obey your word and love your word and delight in it. For we ask this in Christ. Amen. How many of you know what this is? Is that what you say it is? This here is a, um, this is a phone, true. But you know what, it's so much more than that, isn't it? You know, I realize that uh, this actually becomes almost more than a personal computer. This actually, 10 years ago, I compare this to the computer I had, the personal computer I had 10 years ago, and this outperforms it. And now so many people, don't, they, they don't even have computers, they have this. So we call it a phone or a smartphone, because it really is kind of smart. And it's, it helps us in life. The idea of it is for it to uh, serve us, to be like a tool for us. This is like having a, uh, you know, in your hand, with you can just download the app. I've just downloaded the app that uh, brushes your teeth for you. It works good. <laughs> Kidding. All right. Just in case you little kids thought that was actually a fact. But it has an app for everything almost. It just it helps us organize our lives. And in the busy and chaotic world in which we live today, this phone has apps on it to help us organize, help us keep on track, our calendars, our day timers, our schedules, our to-do lists. And basically what it can help us do is prioritize life. Because if you're at all like me, you feel the pressures of life the chaos of life, and life going at a 1,000 miles an hour. We live in a world today, a modern world, that's unprecedented in its speed. The speed at which stuff is coming at us, the opportunities, the things that are available to us, and all of a sudden you're caught in a vortex and a whirlwind, and you, you realize that you're not, you're not focusing on your priorities like the way you should, and so you go find, try to find that app and download it that says, how do I focus on my priorities? Because we find that it's very easy to drift, isn't it? Drift off into the things that are supposed to help us as these tools, and they become, they, they come, they come to a place where they consume us. How many of us have drifted off of our priorities, found ourselves on Facebook two hours later, wonder, what, what am I doing? So here we are, we're, we're in the social media world now, and information's flying at us at mock speed. And we're being pulled from every direction. And a lot of us are wondering, you know, how do I maintain my priorities? What are my priorities? What ought to be the priorities in life? And how, how can I think, keep straight? And how do I stay on this path? Well, this morning we're going to actually look at a story in the Bible where Jesus confronts somebody who's busy. Makes themselves busy running around. And helps us all and reminds us all of what the number one priority ought to be in our lives. The greatest priority. What is the greatest priority in your life? 
Ask yourself that question right now. What is the greatest priority in your life? What's number one? You know, it's easy to say things, isn't it? All of us, if I was to quiz you right now, write down your number one priority, you'd probably, I would guess, do a really good job at knowing the right answer. Now, if I was to say underneath that answer, be honest, is it really the number one priority? And how you can judge that is by how you give your time to it. What, what does that look like in terms of your schedule, in terms of your day? In our text this morning, we have a situation where Jesus is visiting at Mary and Martha's house. And Jesus takes the opportunity to correct Martha about her consumption with the urgent and show her what ought to be her greatest priority. And in this text, we're going to see that serving and, and work, they're great, as great as they are, they aren't our greatest priority. If you look at verse 38 through 40, it says, Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. You know, in this particular story, Martha's not doing something wrong or inappropriate at all. She's serving. In fact, if you think about it, she's doing something pretty glorious. Serving her guests, serving those who are in her home. Wow, that's pretty nice of her. She's being hospitable. She's entertaining. She was being a servant. And she was running around trying to bless her guests. What's wrong with that? It's actually on the surface of you think, that's way to go, Martha. Good job. I mean, she's the one who seems to be the servant. After all, Jesus talks about being a servant. And look at old lazy Mary there. Sitting down when there's so much work to do. Sitting at Jesus' feet. She's probably, I guarantee, Martha's just in her heart and in her mind all worked up about impressing her guests and worried that something would get left out. She's probably thinking, you know, I sure hope they all like my flatbread and hummus. I hope, you know, I hope everyone is having a good time. Look at that, his drink's getting low. We've got to take care of that. And even though she's serving and entertaining the guests, she has, she's passed a particular priority up for another lower priority and exalted it. And you know what? We can do the same thing. It's easy to be just like Martha. We can place such a high priority on serving and on our work and on these good things that we begin to neglect the greater things. For example, we can be working and serving in a way of thinking that what we're doing is so important that we become nasty around the, the, to the people around us. And we don't have the same priority and value on what we're doing as they have on what we're doing. And because we don't value the same thing and value it the same way, we often become very frustrated in that scenario. 
Just look at in this text how, how Martha gets a little bit smart with Jesus. You can tell that she's not appreciating where Mary's placing her value and where she's placing her value. This is what she says. Lord, listen to these words. Do you not care? Do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Jesus, look at you. Don't you care? I'm running around like a mad woman, serving. And, oh, there's Mary. Nice of her. Hope you're enjoying yourself, Mary. (laughs) Talk about exposing the motive. Her motives were coming out very clearly. Martha's not doing this out of love for Jesus and her guests. She's showing in her response that she's doing this for her namesake and glory. You know, the same works for us, too. Whenever we get caught up in our work, in our serving, and things begin to frustrate our goals, we then get upset, and our true motives are exposed. It reveals that we're doing it not for the glory of God, but for the glory of our own name. We become concerned what others might think. And instead of pleasing God, we're seeking to please others or ourselves. You know, as us men in particular, we can easily drift toward putting way too much of a priority on our work. It becomes the central component to our lives. And we excuse all kinds of behavior toward the people we work with, towards our families, and to the people around us, all in the name of providing. It's a good thing, isn't it? It's a great priority to have. You should make it a priority, but is it the priority? And it often becomes the priority, and everything else gets subjugated to it. We all need to ask ourselves a pretty fundamental question. Is there anything in my life, no matter how good or how holy it is, that's being placed above my devotion to God? In other words, is there anything I want more in my serving or in my work than for God to be pleased and glorified? And if we're honest, the answer is often yes. Yes. I often want to achieve my goals, my dreams. I want things to go my way. I want, I want to be, my name to be glorified. I want to, my name to be respected. I want my agenda to be fulfilled. Now, we might not express it like that, but it comes out like that, just like it came out in Martha's response. The thing you love the most is the thing that you long to glorify and to exalt the most. If you love your glory and your name the most, you will seek to have it glorified and exalted the most. If you love your work above all things, you'll place it above all things. No matter what you say, it's what you do. So a lot of times what we say confuses what we truly believe because we think that if we say it, or if we articulate it, that's the truth. Yet the way we live contradicts it, but that's really the truth. Martha is a good lady who believed Jesus to be the Messiah. 
and loved him, yet she was dragged away from pure devotion to him, and she was pulled away by her service. And you ladies, not just the men here, we we can get pulled away by things. You ladies, is it not easy to get pulled away? Is it not easy to all of a sudden the priority not, not become about being with Jesus or exalting Jesus or glorifying Jesus, but it's all of a sudden it's about you. Getting busy, doing the stuff, and it's good stuff, isn't it? It's good stuff. But these good things become the ultimate thing And therein lies the problem. And so it's so easy for us to do. Our priorities get messed up, and so does our attitude. And that's what you see in Martha. Misplaced priorities, misplaced attitude. And it got exposed. And Jesus begins then to correct Martha. And does does this by addressing her heart or the heart of the issue. If you look at verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. As you can see, the things that cause us to be anxious and troubled are the very things that hinder our greatest priority. Jesus points out that what is truly going on in Martha's heart is that she is troubled and she is anxious about these many things, but yet she's forgetting the greatest priority. And she probably thought in her mind she's doing a really good job of hiding that, that she's anxious and troubled about many things. Why? Look at her serve. She flies. I'm sure Martha was running around a million miles an hour like a young pup chasing its tail. Buzzing, bu- she was buzzing into the kitchen, whipping something up, buzzing into the dining area, making sure everyone has a drink. Buzzing back to the kitchen, chopping some vegetables, mixing up some dough, cleaning the meat, pouring drinks, getting dishes ready, and then buzzes back into the dining area only to find Mary sitting there. Can you imagine? Can you relate? Martha was probably fit to be tied. You can tell she's a little tweaked. Just by her snide remark to Jesus. Jesus, don't you see? Don't you, she uses the words, don't you care? Actually, he, he does care. But he cares about the more important things. And he has his priorities straight. Well, Martha doesn't. Jesus doesn't sympathize with her. Oh, Martha, man, I I get your pain. I look around and you are buzzing. You're flying everywhere doing all this work. But look at Mary. (laughs) She's just kind of lazy looking. She's sitting here. Um, I get, I feel what your, your pain here. He doesn't do that. He says, Martha, Martha, you are troubled and anxious about many things. And the thing about his correction is that when we are anxious and troubled, we usually keep it on the inside so that nobody sees on the outside what's really going on. But it does manifest itself, doesn't it, in wide-eyed panic? When, When you're anxious and you're troubled and you're worked up, you got the game face on. And you're ready to go. And you're all worked up. And because that's what happens when you get all stressed out and you're all anxious and you're all worked up and troubled, you, you, you get intense. 
And then as you get intense, it starts to manifest itself in the way we start treating people. We don't expect someone to come along and definitively make a statement about our heart. Yet that's precisely what Jesus does. Because whenever we're anxious and troubled about something, it's a sure sign that something is out of order in our heart. You can often look at the things that you're anxious about or you're troubled over and there see an issue that you need to bring to the altar of God and offer up to him. You see an idol formed in your heart. Our anxiety exposes our fears, our wants, our lusts, our desires, the things that we're really after. And when we're anxious and troubled about something, we tend to manifest it in frustration and hurried activity. It's a clear sign that we have our priorities mixed up. So the question is, what are we to do when this happens? Well, the Bible tells us in Philippians 4, 6, that we're to be anxious for nothing, right? But Jesus says, Jesus doesn't address it this way. In the text, Jesus says, he doesn't say be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. That's said later. But he just tells, he tells Martha that Mary has chosen the better thing. You're, you're worried and you're troubled about many things. But ch- Mary has chosen the better thing. And what did Mary choose to do? Mary chose to, to sit at the feet of Jesus. It says, listen to his teaching. She wanted to know more of Jesus. She wanted to know more of his teaching. She sat there, and Jesus said she had the better priority. And so often in life, when we look at our anxiety and the trouble going on in our hearts and in our minds, it's, it's a flag should go up and say, something's wrong here. I shouldn't be carried away in anxiousness and trouble. What is causing the anxiousness and trouble? And if you look at the thing that's causing the anxiousness and the trouble, it's usually a messed up priority. Something has gotten ahead of Jesus. So if you're all worked up about the guests being served, you've taken a good thing and given it too high of a priority. We ought, the heart should, it exposes us. We're troubled. We're worried. We're freaked out about this. So what, what should we do? Well, Jesus, Jesus, the rebuke Jesus gives is, listen, you've got your priorities messed up. Your priority ought to be to first and foremost, above all things, sit at my feet and listen. Your priority ought to be to heed my word. Your priority ought to be to glorify me, to seek me. So the desire of the heart is exposed in our frustrations, in our anxieties, in our worries, in our concerns, in our troubles. Just look at your heart and you think of, ask yourself the question, if you look at the stuff that worries you, troubles you, makes you anxious... It's often because if you think about it, you've made a, a, a priority out of something, a high priority of something that, that should take a lower priority. Every single one of us gets at times anxious and troubled about things. And those things that get us anxious and troubled should speak to us. If we're aware of our own hearts, we should look at them and say, you know what? I'm anxious and I'm troubled. What is it? Why am I anxious and troubled? Evaluate your motives. 
Find, ask yourself the question, am I making right now the number one priority to glorify God, to honor his name, to obey him, to listen to his word? And it, I'll guarantee you every time it's, no, no, I'm not. If I was to be honest right now, if you really want honesty, I'm really concerned about what others think. I'm really concerned that this goes off without a hitch. I'm really concerned that everything just work out so. I'm really concerned about what others might think about my reputation if this doesn't work out. Let's just be honest. That's, that's what's going on in our hearts so often. And if we just take a moment to like say, you know, we should all drive, when we're driving ourselves around, as an analogy, be looking for the check engine light to flash. And when you're anxious and troubled, hopefully the check engine light starts flashing. And say, why am I anxious and troubled? What's causing this? Look at your motives and understand that you often need to repent of the very things that you're wanting to accomplish, your priorities. And then what do you do? Well, if you ever hope things to change, the first thing you must do is, is like admit and confess to God. Oh, God, I'm so bad at this. This is, I tend to do this so often, Lord. You know my heart. You know what I'm like. You know how I drift. Lord, look at me. Look at how I'm worked up in trouble. Look at how I make this lesser priority a, the greatest priority. Father, please change my heart. I, you need to be my number one priority. That's the kind of prayer you need to have, a kind of a regular prayer if you're the kind of person who keeps messing up your priorities. And say, Lord, please, honestly, I can't do this on my own, but I know that you can give me the strength. Make you my number one priority in life. Change my heart. Start doing that, and your heart will begin to change. Don't, don't expect perfection. Don't expect, expect the fact that you pray for that, that that prayer is done. I'm glad I'll never have to pray that again. No, you'll probably have to do it tomorrow or a, a, an hour later. But that's what we do. You live a life in total and complete dependence upon the Lord working in you and through you. You live honestly before him. And you tell, when you see that your priorities are messed up, you confess it to the Lord. And you seek him to change your heart. And as you do this, you see yourself gradually over time, you're changing. You're becoming a different person. More and more, he becomes your top and number one priority. But if you want to live in denial, if you want to excuse, if you want to rename the anxiety and trouble, if you'll say, you know, everyone's like this. What else do you expect? This is just normal. This is what people do. Every, I, I couldn't see anybody not getting worked up about this. If you want to excuse yourself and your attitude and your behavior, if you want to like, take your anxieties and troubles and rename them and make them all good, well, you're in trouble because you're just going to get worse, not better. Don't try to rename them. Don't try to make them your friends. Don't try to make it something good, something okay. Call it what it is. Bring it before the Lord. Put it there and say, Lord, this is me. This is me in all honesty. And, 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 and I confess this to you, Lord. And I really, I look to you to change my heart and give me that passion and desire to have you as number one. But you know, once you do that, you need to get your 
priorities back in order and realize that listening to the teaching of Jesus, as we see in the text here, is the greatest priority. Go to him and then go back to listening to Jesus. In verse 42, Jesus finished what he's saying to Martha when he said, One thing is necessary, Martha. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. In other words, Mary has made a great choice, and I'm not going to tell her to get up and help you, because it's the best choice. She's chosen, she's made the better choice. You know, we know that Mary chose to sit down at Jesus' feet. Take a very passive place. Sitting at his feet, listening to his teaching. That's what she chose to do. Now, we don't know Mary's service record. We don't really know if she's she's that lazy one that never does anything. I doubt it. I mean, possible, but I doubt it. I'm just sure that what's happening here, she, like Jesus points out, service is good, service is great, I want you to be a servant, yes, that's all good. But Mary at this point in time has chosen the good portion, the good thing. And that's to sit here, and because I have Jesus, says, you know, as we've heard him say, he has the words of life. He, listen to him is the most important thing, listening to him. It's the one thing necessary. You know, so if you're to prioritize the eating of bread and hummus over the eating of the bread of the the word of God, you've messed up your priorities. And even though we don't know much here about, again, Mary's service record, we know that she chose the best thing, the greatest thing over service she she chose to take this posture of a disciple you know often in that culture what a disciple would do for a rabbi is they'd sit at their feet and there they would sit before their teacher on the ground in front of them and they would be listening and receiving what the rabbi's teaching and as a good pupil they would be taking it all in diligently but it was uncommon for a woman to sit there because the women weren't disciples and so this mary's mary really doesn't care about modern conventions at the time she doesn't care about how culturally what it's like. Here's a woman sitting at his feet and receiving his teaching. She wasn't up serving. There she was as a pupil, as a disciple, sitting at his feet, learning from him. And she's doing the best thing. She's eager to hear her Lord. She's desirous to listen to his word. She loves it. She's delighting in it. She's eating it up. And this is why Jesus, or it says here, the word he uses is listening. Listening to Jesus' teaching, it says in the text. And the reason is that listening is different than hearing. Listening, you not only hear with your ears, but you hear in a way that you assimilate the information with your life. And as you can easily observe in children... They're great at hearing and not so great at listening. Listening takes a lot, of, a lot of discipline. Hey, would you go out to the fridge in the garage and grab me a jug of milk? They take off. Ten minutes later, where the heck did they go? Like, go looking around. There they are in their bedroom playing. 
Didn't you hear what I said? What? I told you to go out and get the jug of milk. Oh, yeah. What happened? Um, I forgot. Well, you for- forgot? Like what? 20 steps? For- Are you kidding me? The, 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 truly, they heard what you said, right? They hear, but they didn't listen. And we try to dis- decipher that. We try to t- tell our children that, yeah, you heard all right. I'm not t- talking about heard. You heard. I know you heard. I'm talking about listening, and it's different. Listening is taking, hearing, and assimilating, doing. And until you take and listen to the word, all you are is a hearer of the word. And the Bible says, do not be a hearer of the word merely, but a doer of the word. It calls us to listen. It doesn't call us just to like, have it come in our ears. Adults can be great at hearing as well and not listening. Look, listen to uh, Luke chapter 6, verses 46 through 49. Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug, a deep, dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the ha- that house and could not shake it because it had been built well. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. What Jesus is saying here is that if you hear his word, as you are here this morning, right now, you are hearing the word of Jesus. And you find yourself not taking steps to obey his word, you're not listening. You're just hearing. You're merely a hearer of the word and not a doer. When you hear the teaching of Jesus, it requires an obedience. It requires some uh, some action, even if it's merely believing. Believing is an action. Believing is obedience. It's taking what you're hearing and, and laying hold of that truth. This is why in, he- in listening, a centerpiece to listening, you know what it is? Repentance. You came in here, you were going this way. You hear the words of Jesus, and now you start going this way. You're listening to the word. You know what's important to do? As you hear here this morning, it's very important when you hear the words of Jesus, when you're hearing the word, listening to the word, reading the word, the words coming into you, it's always important to ask, what does the Lord require of me? Because if you get used to hearing and not acting, hearing and not doing, hearing and not changing, hearing and not thinking it in terms of what does the Lord require of me? How do I need to repent? What needs to change in my life? You are not a, you're not a listener of the word. You're merely a hearer of the word. You should expect to change. You should expect that something's got to give. Something's got to go. Something's got to be dealt with. Maybe you're reading and in it you expose. You see that, oh, I'm unbelieving. 
I need to be believing. So right there, you make it a matter of prayer about God. You confess to him your unbelieving, and you look to him and ask him to change your heart. You're taking action from what you're hearing. You're just not hearing. You're actually listening. And I'm afraid that so many of us often hear but don't do. We often, we think we're listening, and why? Hey, good job, guys, you showed up here this morning, and you came here, and what did you come here for? You came here to hear the words of God, right? Yeah, good, that's all great, but if you came here, and all you did is hear, and you leave, and you don't, there's nothing in your life, you're not examining your life, you're not saying to the Lord, what must I do to be changed? You're not looking in, in some ways, surely in some way, even no matter what, there's something you've got to do about it. Repent, believe. Obey. There's something in some way. You should, you should ex- be examining your own hearts. You should be coming here and saying, Oh Lord, allow me to not just hear the word, but be a doer of the word. It's the number one priority. The number one priority. If you don't have a hunger, and a desire to not just hear the word, but actually to listen to the words of Jesus. There's something terribly wrong with your heart. Terribly wrong. So let me ask you. When you come in here week after week, do you come here feeling that you've done your job and I've committed my the highest priority has been met? How do I know it's been met? I commit, I've committed to come and hearing the word of God. Wonderful. That's great. However, don't feel so good about yourself just because you come and hear. Let me ask you this real question. Do you come and hear or do you come and listen? There's a fundamental difference. Oh, I come and listen, Dean. Good. So what do you do with what you hear? Do you confess your sins? Do you turn from what it is you're doing? Do you turn to the Lord? Do you, do you take and put it into action? What do you do with it? Or do you find yourself listening or hearing just another sermon and you go on your way in your life? If that's you, may God have mercy on you. And especially if you've grooved a habit. I don't know if you groove a habit of actually just being a listener and you've kind of gotten into this bad habit. You think, man, I, I mean, sorry, just a hearer. I used to be, I used to be a listener. Now I'm just a hearer. It's just another rah, 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 rah sermon. That's all it is. And I do this because I don't know what else to do. It's what I do with my life. I come and I show up at church. It's just, that's what you do. And I don't know what happened or where it happened, but I'll tell you what, I, my life hasn't changed in months. Yours. And I've heard thousands of sermons. Very sad and very scary. Even right now, as you hear what I've just said, you will either go, huh, wonder what's for lunch, or you'll say, you know what? Man, I, I need to repent. I need to repent of just hearing and not listening. Lord, forgive me.
I need to start listening. And when you do that, you have now all of a sudden committed yourself to the highest priority. Come to Jesus and you came to listen like Mary. All of us, if you want to know what is the greatest priority, the greatest priority you could ever have is to sit at the feet of Jesus and listen to him in that way where you take what he hears, the words of life, and let them penetrate your heart and you take action on them. That's your greatest priority in life, is to heed the words of Jesus. Obey him, seek him, glorify him. Number one priority in all things in all of life. The greatest priority. And may nothing else get ahead of that. And if things do get ahead of that, what do you do? What do you do when things get out of control? You don't say, oh man, I'm out of control. I don't know what to do. No, you repent. You confess your sin to God. You turn to Him and you, and you change. You go in the direction of heeding the Word of God. Where are you at this morning? Are your priorities all messed up? Are you more like Martha or more like Mary? I hope and pray the Lord would really help you see where you're at and allow you to see what you need to do to change and to repent. That he would allow you to see that. That's the greatest gift ever, is seeing yourself for, you, for who you really are. So you can do what you really need to do and listen to the words of Jesus. Amen. Father, we're so thankful for your word. It's, it's, it truly is. It's our life, and in it you've revealed your, your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In it you've, you correct, you teach us, you admonish us, you rebuke us, you exhort us, you discipline us, and with it you, you give us life. Where else could we turn? Where else could we go to find these words of life? Nowhere else. Oh, Lord Jesus, we praise you that you've been so merciful and so kind to us that you've given us your word. Father, I pray for every single person here, and I ask you mercifully that you would allow us all, every one of us, to listen, not just hear your word, but listen and take heed to your word. Oh, that we would not be mere hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Father, please grant this grace, for we ask it in Christ. Amen.